Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 465? Happened to the men who clung to her too tightly. That was the difference between me and the others. I did not clutch at her, try to own her. I did not slip my arm around her, murmur in her ear, or kiss her unsuspecting cheek. Certainly, I thought of it. I still remembered the warmth of her when she had thrown her arms around me near the horse lift. There were times I would have given my right hand to hold her again. But then I thought of the faces of the other men when they realized Denim was leaving them. I thought of all the others who had tried to tie her to the ground and failed. So I resisted showing her the songs and poems I had written, knowing that too much truth can ruin a thing. And if that meant she wasn't entirely mine, what of it? I would be the one she could always return to without fear of recrimination or question. So I did not try to win her and contented myself with playing a beautiful game. But there was always a part of me that hoped for more. And so there was a part of me that was always a fool. Days passed and Denna and I explored the streets of Severin. We lounged in cafes, attended plays, went riding. We climbed the face of the Sheer using the low road just to say we'd done it. We visited the dock markets, a traveling menagerie, and several curiosity cabinets. Some days we did nothing but sit and talk, and on those days nothing filled our conversations as much as music. We spent countless hours discussing the craft of it, how songs fit together, how chorus and verse play against each other, about tone and mode and meter. These were things I'd learned at an early age and thought about often. And though Denna was new to this study, in some ways that worked to her advantage. I'd learned about music since before I could talk. I knew 10,000 rules of melody and verse better than I knew the backs of my own hands. Denna didn't. In some ways this hampered her, but in other ways it made her music strange and marvelous. I'm doing a poor job of explaining this. Think of music as being a great snarl of a city like Tarbine. In the years I spent living there, I came to know its streets. Not just the main streets, not just the alleys. I knew shortcuts and rooftops and parts of the sewers. Because of this, I could move through the city like a rabbit in a bramble. I was quick and cunning and clever. Denna, on the other hand, had never been trained. She knew nothing of shortcuts. You'd think she'd be forced to wander the city, lost and helpless, trapped in a twisting maze of mortared stone. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. Hands! Hands! Two references to hands on this page. The first of them would be that he might give his good right hand to hold her again. Hmm, he might give up the use of a hand. Specific. He also generally mentions his right hand when he's saying that he would give up a hand for something. He normally mentions his right hand. It's normally not his left. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that a bit later in the chapter or next chapter. He swears an oath on the hand and they even talk about it. Something that we didn't talk about yesterday because Quoth didn't really notice it is that Denna was excited about a song she'd heard. She wanted to tell Quoth about this song and he doesn't really like clue into it. But we know because we've read the book before that Denna is like after a song and she eventually is making a song. So this thing that she's excited about may be one of the clues that she's looking for in crafting her song about Lanra. Could be a reference that she's looking for. Yeah, exactly. And Quoth doesn't really grok it because he doesn't really think of her as like a songwriter or someone who's thinking about songs. But on this page, they become writing partners. They're both teaching each other. And she's probably learning more from Quoth than Quoth is learning from her. I think he is picking up a little bit that she 
she has like strange and marvelous uh, instincts through not having uh, classical training, but I think he's not really paying attention to like what he can learn from her, but I bet you she's learning a lot from him and that this is where she picks up the foundations that she uses to write her song about Lanra. We know she's a very quick study. And so I bet you that this is, uh, she's picking up a lot of those skills right here. I mean, I'm sure she's also picking up those skills from her patron because ostensibly that's who's put her to this task anyway. Yes, but no one is a more special talented boy than Quoth. And, uh, you know, and like, all joking aside, I think that that is a more fruitful creative relationship for Denna than her patron is. Reasonable. It's not put in the terms that they're teaching each other. It's that they, they are... In the in this passage, they are talking as equals. Like we're both musicians, we're both writing songs. How do we go about doing it? As anyone who like has a creative conversation, you know, like when I talk to other writers, when I talk to Alice, because we're both writers, you're always just kind of comparing notes about like how do you go about doing this? Oh, your process is very different from mine. I go about doing this. What do you find difficult? What do you find easy? Oh, I find this easy, and I find difficult so i feel like that's those are the kinds of conversations that they're having and in those kinds of conversations quote is realizing that oh denna doesn't have the formal training that i do she approaches this in a really different way than me but she's really really skilled she just like you know but maybe she doesn't have the language to talk about like you know what a minor third is but but she like she knows what it is without being able to describe it it kind of reminds me of uh the beatles because the beatles did not have any like formal musical training. None of them could sight read music. They didn't like, they couldn't read notes on a page, but they all knew a lot because they listened to a ton of music and they played music from a very early age. Paul McCartney's dad was, was uh, a semi-professional musician. So I'm sure he learned some stuff from his dad, but they were all learning by listening and, and like figuring stuff out on their own. They were all self-taught. What I'm getting at is that maybe Quoth doesn't think of it as we're we're teaching each other, but I'm sure Denna does. I'm sure Denna is like, if not literally taking notes, then she's mentally taking notes and going, oh, that's what this is called. Oh, this is a minor third. And she's filing that away. And I think an uncharitable reading of this that I am, I tend to give uncharitable readings to Quoth is that Quoth thinks he knows more and so discounts that she might have something to teach him, that he can learn something from her. Uh, Certainly he's comparing notes and like is interested that she has her own way that works, but I don't think Quoth is going, oh, maybe I could benefit from paying attention to this and applying it to my own work. Whereas my impression of Denna is that she would not hesitate to go, oh, Quoth knows a lot. I'm going to pay attention to what Quoth knows and I'm going to learn from him. And I'm going to use that in my own work. That is an uncharitable reading. <laughs> and this has been Page of the Wind with uncharitable <laughs> readings of quotes. <laughs> I also think it's uncharitable to say that he dismisses the fact that she is excited to tell him about a song because we don't actually know how he reacts. He's She's excited to tell him about a song and then they spend the day together. So it's not clear... He, you know, maybe he says, tell me all about it. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I wonder if that's like a little clue to what Denna's activities are. This is something that she's excited about. She's excited to tell Quoth about because it's not just like, oh, I heard a cool song. I want to talk about it. It's like, I discovered something that A, is like really important to me for reasons that I haven't really explained to Quoth yet. And also I think Quoth would find this interesting. Like, I think that it is more than just, oh, here's a funny song I heard this is something fundamental about my desires. And Quoth hasn't really put together how important that is yet. 
Yeah, although I don't think anybody could at this point because we don't know that Dena is like working on a song about Lanra, right? Like, yes. I think this is the yes, kind of detail I... that we notice on a second read and go, oh, foreshadowing. Precisely, precisely. I'm almost never suggesting that a first-time reader is supposed to cl- to pick up on these things. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things that... Ha- like, I this is only my second read, but the only reason that I knew that things were happening when they were happening on my first read is because, like, I, I was talking about the book with Nick. <laughs> uh, on the first half of this page, Quoth is very much, like, putting himself in the friend zone, uh, where he's like, you know, I'm not going to show her, I'm not going to tell her how I feel. I'm just going to be the one that she always returns to. And I'm going to live with that. And he's like talked in that way before. And I really think we are supposed to like, to recognize that that's what he's doing and kind of go, Quoth, get your head out of your ass. Shit or get off the pot here. I don't know. It seems like nice to want to be a supportive friend also right but he doesn't want to be a supportive friend he wants to be her lover and he is contenting himself with being her supportive friend because he's afraid of what telling her how he really feels would mean right i suppose so he's existing in this limbo and maybe even becoming a little bit resentful of it yeah i think this passage has taken on a deeper import in the decades since this book was written because there has been a lot of thinking done about the notion of the friend zone and how damaging it can be I don't think it's meant to be a passage that is supposed to make us queasy or anything like that. As Jeremy pointed out, it is a it ultimately a toxic mindset to like make yourself a emotional friend to someone while secretly hoping that it moves beyond friendship without making your intentions clear for a number of reasons. And I do think that we're supposed to a kind of recognize it as that and sort of shake our heads and go, Oh, quote, like, you know, she obviously wants something more too. You can take that risk in the same way that a lot of the discourse around male, female relationships and friendships and just like feminism in general has progressed since this book was written. I think that the way this book uses the notion of the friend zone is in a more innocent way than a contemporary book might. Yeah, well, and like, I'm sympathetic to that. Like, but then I am always, like, just in general, my I have recognized this about myself that I am always f- trying to find the most favorable life light to think about something in. I'm always inclined to give the benefit of the doubt. And I think that everybody can relate to the feeling of like, not wanting to ruin a good thing. Uh, and I think that that's perfectly healthy and normal. And like, that's something that a lot of people feel. I think where it becomes damaging and toxic is when you start to blame the object of your affections for putting you in the friend zone. Like if you haven't done anything to say, hey, I'd like to date you, then the only person who put you in the friend zone is you. You know, I, 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 I'm I, not a scholar of this. Um, so take this with a grain of salt. But my understanding of it is that it's okay to be a friend if you accept that that is what you are. But if you are a friend to someone and you harbor hopes that they will notice you and become your lover, whether or not that turns into resentment, that is still an unfair relationship to have with someone. That like, if you have an intent to to graduate or whatever, to change the nature of your relationship, you need to make that clear because it's not... Uh, it's not honest to have a really, it's like having a relationship under false pretenses. If I am Jordana's friend 
and Jordana secretly wants a relationship with me and like only continues to be my friend because she's hoping that I will like change what my relationship is with her. That's that's not an honest foundation of a relationship. Independent, irrespective of whether or not that turns into resentment and like you put me in the friend zone, which is a whole other kettle of fish. Like the whole notion of being someone's friend because you hope to no longer be their friend and then become their lover is like a dishonest place to be. And that you have to either say, okay, I'm happy being their friend and that's all. Or you have to say to them, hey, I want to be your, I want to be more than your friend. And then if they say, no, I only want to be friends, you have to be okay with just being their friend or you have to not be their friend. Like you can't, you can't have both. I can't have it both. I mean, I would argue that a lot of people, the reason they don't say anything is because they're afraid of the, the option that is to lose a friend because it was, it would be better to, to just have a friend than to tell them, make it awkward and then have to lose them because it would be too weird. They were never your friend if you actually wanted to be their partner. They were never your friend if you wanted... Wouldn't you have to be their friend first? Yeah, but what Nick is saying is that if you were their friend with the intention of making them your partner at some point, then you were never their friend to begin with, which I don't agree with. Yeah, no, I don't I don't really agree with that either. I think that this is not a an issue or a circumstance where there is a one-size-fits-all right or wrong solution. I think all of this stuff is dependent on circumstance and context, and I don't think we can like make judgments about the way people navigate this fraught and vulnerable emotional territory. And before you write in and tell me that that's how you met your wife, I know that that happens. I know that people start as friends or, you know, or people stick around as friends and then eventually they do like notice and, you know, become lovers. Like I know that happens. Everyone approaches in different ways, but in general, especially given the like landscape of the world right now, I strongly believe that, it is better for everyone involved if you have romantic designs on someone that you make that clear immediately rather than uh, lurk around. I agree with the honesty of the is the best policy kind of outlook. But I also think that like it's entirely possible that you could have like not intended for romance with a person started like a friend's relationship and then been like, oh shit, later. Yeah, that that's for, like developing into something else is fine. But if anyway, look, we're not going to, as you say, Jeremy, we're not going to come to a one size fits all conclusion here. I just have strong feelings about the way it's appropriate to conduct a friendship if there's romantic feelings involved in that friendship. Can't argue with that. Is there anything else on the page we want to talk about? I am out of notes. Just that. I think that the stuff that Quoth lists here is... Not particularly, I don't think that murmuring in Denna's ear or kissing her unsuspecting cheek or slipping his arm around her is like what she wants or even what he wants to do. I think on the stuff on the previous page, telling her that all that matters is that she came back. Like that's the stuff that Denna needs to hear. I think Quoth is like combining emotional honesty that Denna needs with the gestures with the empty gestures that she encounters all the time. Yeah, but I also think Denna would like it if he slipped his arm around her. I think that depends on what mood Denna's in. I don't think Denna likes that all the time. Well, yeah, obviously. I think she would like it from Quoth. We discussed maybe in the previous book, there's a moment where he like reaches into something in his cloak, which Denna is wearing. And we pointed out how one way to read that scene is that she's thinking, finally, he's making a move on me. And then he like pulls something out of his pocket and she goes, oh. <laughs>
if we believe that that reading is correct, and I kind of think it is, then maybe she would actually be positively receptive, circumstances notwithstanding, in a vacuum, she would be positively receptive to both, you know, making a move on her like that. You know, obviously, if she's had a bad day or she's like, you know, hurt her ribs or whatever, then she's not going to want to do that. But I think in general, she would. I am undecided. Well, if she had a bad day, she'd be taking one down and then sing a sad song just to turn it around. She'd say, you don't know. She'd tell me, don't lie. She'd work at a smile. And they'd go for a ride. I'm always Jordana. I've been Nick. And I'm Jeremy. Page of the Wind.